around here, we often use the phrase, it takes a village to raise a family. It takes a village to raise a family. We say that a lot and we mean it. It's a mentality that has pervaded our community so much so that next week when we begin finally to start to regather in you know, smaller kind of bite-sized chunk ways across our location for in-person, finally in-person large group worship gatherings. At the same time, we're going to kick off our annual tradition of our It Takes a Village series, something that's become a really meaningful tradition of a teaching series for us as a church. And we do that because we take it seriously that it takes a village to raise a family. And we want to hear in that series from the outside village that's helping raise us as a church family. But as a local village, as a local church family, I wonder how many of us have ever really considered what that phrase means to us personally. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about what it means? If you, if you Google the phrase, it takes a village, it'll explain the, the, that basically suggests a mentality that everyone in a community is responsible for the safety and the health of the development of children, that the, that the development of the next generation is kind of on the entire community. And it comes from a variety of different uh, African proverbs. Wikipedia will uh, kind of outline them for you. You know, phrases like, uh, a child is raised not just through its own home, or a child belongs to the entire community, kind of versions like that, that suggest that the raising of the next generation is actually the responsibility of everyone in a community, that everyone, everyone has a role to play. And I'm wondering, for those of us who consider ourselves part of the everyone that makes up Southridge, whether we've appreciated what our role is to play. And if we haven't thought about that yet, that's how we want to kind of land the plane in this third week of this Crowded Table series. If you've been around, you'll know that the first week uh, we devoted to looking at the primary responsibility for raising the next generation, and that's the home of parents and of caregivers in a child or developing young adult's home. The statistics tell us that. In Mark Holman's book, Faith Begins at Home, he talks about all the statistics and the primary influence on children and developing young adults is the home, parents and caregivers there. And so as a church, we want to nurture and encourage that, not counterintuitively maybe, not by focusing on the next generation as directly and not by just offering parents a whole bunch of conversations and workshops and tutorials on parenting tips, but rather focusing the best of our energies on making the home the most Jesus-exuding community as possible by helping to equip and support parents in becoming like Jesus to the greatest degree. Because we believe the more that homes can become beatitudes demonstrating and fruit of the spirit bearing and privilege relinquishing and welcome and inclusion fostering and grace dispensing models of the person and character of Jesus, we believe the best exposure a kid's going to have to the life and love of God for themselves. As Mike described a couple weeks ago, if we can get homes to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, then we have the best shot at raising kids in God's direction. 
And so that's kind of the primary responsibility that we looked at in week one. And then last week, uh, Carrie Jones walked us through the secondary responsibility, and that's the church primarily through our formal family ministries, that in the same way that Jesus said, hey, don't stop the, the little children from coming to me and had a countercultural embrace of the next generation, that we as a church, particularly through these ministries, want to embrace the next generation as well by partnering with that primary influence of the home. And in addition to brokering different resources, the take-it-home resources from the curriculum that we use, as well as things like Right Now Media and Parent Q apps and things like that, our family ministry wants to come alongside parents and caregivers to partner with them and help them appreciate what we call the crib to college curricula that we're navigating through from zero to age 18, as well as the ways that we want to help foster in children and developing young adults, the three aspects of the life of full devotion that we're fostering around here, what we call inspiration, connection, and action. And so, you know, as Carrie uh, invited you into last week, if you're in a place where you'd like to plug into that ministry and directly partner with parents in those transformative ways, we would love to include you. Starting next Sunday, our nursery and our preschool programs are going to be launching on Sundays. You can get involved in those or as a small group leader in the coming weeks, uh, either in our MS program, which goes up to grade five, or in our junior high program called Riot, or our senior high program called Current. All of those programs exist for the reason of directly partnering with parents to raise the next generation, and they're a way that all of us can get involved and support that together. But the question I'm asking today is, on top of that, for the rest of us, for those of us who aren't parents or primary caregivers, who are, or who aren't parenting or primary caregiving someone in our home right now, um, or for those who aren't directly serving in these programs of our family ministry, where does that leave us when it comes to the, the, the mentality that it takes a village to raise a family? What, what's our role in the all of raising the next generation? Well, from that perspective, I want to consider a phrase that Mike Krause used in week one of this series when he talked about the influence of parents, caregivers, and he said, invested adults. He said there's a third category, parents, caregivers, and invested adults. And today, I just want to take some moments and consider what we can do as invested adults, whether we're parents and caregivers or not, whether we're directly involved in the ministries of our family ministry or not. All of us can become invested adults by embracing a couple biblical values. These values are not complicated, they're quite simple, but at the same time, they take some significant intentionality to live out among us. The first of which, if we're going to be an invested adult, involves taking ownership of the next generation, taking ownership, embracing a posture that even if we're not parents and caregivers directly, and even if we're not in the family ministries officially, that we have a role to play if we will embrace a posture that is different than a hands-off passive one, if we'll embrace a posture of sharing in that responsibility for the development of the next generation. We see this posture demonstrated, uh, among other places, by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, where he says to the people of that church, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father 
through the gospel. He says in their context, they have a lot of people relating to them like guardians, but very few that are relating as fathers or parents. And Paul sees himself as embracing the posture of a father or of a parent. And I hope that we can appreciate the contrast in those two postures. When he talks about a guardian, he's literally referring to the posture of like a babysitter. For those of us who've ever babysat or hired babysitters, uh, you know that babysitting certainly is a serious responsibility. It's responsible for the safety and the, at that level, the survival of a child or of children for a period of time. And, you know, when a babysitter comes, sometimes you feed the kids, hopefully you get to play with the kids before you put them to bed. Sometimes you help them with bedtime and you kind of make sure that they're supervised and that they're safe while the parents are gone. Babysitting is certainly one level of responsibility. But being a babysitter or a guardian does not compare to the posture or the level of responsibility of a parent. Right? A parent is much more long-term, much more full-time, and it's not just responsible for the sustainability of a child, it's responsible for the development of that child, for their trajectory, for their future, for their understanding, their learning, their growth, their morality, their character shaping. Right? The parental responsibility is much more significant and much more ongoing than that of a guardian. And what Paul suggests is that there are two approaches within the life of a church. For all of us, no matter who we are in our community, official parents or guardians or caregivers or official uh, people who serve in our family ministry or otherwise, do we embrace the identity of a guardian or do we relate to the next generation with that parental mentality, seeing ourselves as part of the responsibility for their growth and development. Think about it as we reopen as a, and as we interact with one another, especially the next generation. Do you engage with them at all? Do you try to find out what their names are and what school they go to and what they're into and what they enjoy in life and what they're struggling with and how you can pray for them and what they're learning and how they're growing? Do you actually take that responsibility to pray for the next generation, you know, during the week? And then when you see them the next week, do you follow up with them? Do you ask them how things are going in an ongoing and consistent way? doesn't necessarily apply to every single next gen across our faith community, but even some or maybe even one. Is there one next gen in your life and in mine that we can take that responsibility to be like a father or like a mother or like a parent to over and above the formal roles of parents and guardians and caregivers and people who serve in our church's family ministry. That's what it means to be an invested adult. Is It's to invest ourselves in that posture of responsibility in the way that we relate to the next generation. At the same time, an invested adult, in addition to that, fosters inclusion of the next generation. An invested adult fosters inclusion of the next generation. What I mean by that is that so often in family life, uh, as well as in church life, we can kind of treat the next generation like they're sitting at the kids' table, sometimes literally and sometimes metaphorically, meaning we separate them or we segregate them into their own age group and we don't let them be part of the real action or the heart of the conversation. And yet when it comes to the way the New Testament church is designed to function, it's intended to be far more integrated than segregated. The next generation is intended to be far more included than set aside. 
You take a look at what the Apostle Peter describes in the early church in Acts chapter 2, quoting a prophet named Joel from the Old Testament. He says there in verse 17, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. That's actually the picture of the first century and of the New Testament church in action predicted hundreds of years earlier, that there would be this intergenerational flow of the Spirit of God among us, that young and old, sons and daughters, you know, younger people would provide vision, older people would provide dreams, all of us together in an included and integrated way. And so even for those of us who may not be uh, parents or caregivers or guardians, or even for those of us who don't serve formally in our church's family ministries, when you think about the ministry that you might be involved in, do you behave in a way and embrace that mentality of including the next generation? especially as we consider reopening, you know, as we roll out our first impression ministries and people are serving the parking lot or serving coffee or functioning as greeters or tour guides. Have you ever thought to include the next generation in that ministry along with you? In our anchor causes as we serve there, have you ever thought of the value of bringing along next generation people to include them in serving as well? Or where our life groups assemble? Have we ever considered intergenerational life groups or gathering as life groups along with our kids for those of us who have groups that include kids to foster some of that intergenerational dynamic to be more inclusive and integrate the next generation into the fabric of our lives and in our ministry. That's the posture of an invested adult, not only relating to the next generation differently with that posture of a parent, not just a guardian, but also integrating them into our ministry. There's a community side and a ministry side to being an invested adult. And the reason that's the case, the reason there's a community side and a ministry side is because community and ministry are the two basic building blocks of what it means to be a church together. And it was a couple weeks ago that we learned that it's only when as a church, as a whole, that we are able to provide the full and comprehensive and holistic picture of Jesus to each other, let alone to the next generation. You know, you think back to the last passage that we studied in our most recent series in the book of Exodus. It was just, I believe, three weeks ago when we looked at Exodus chapter 18. You can go back and watch that video if you missed it. But we learned that any time in a community where you exclude or you rob certain people of providing the activity of God in and through them to the community, you rob the whole community of the fullness of God. And that it's actually requiring all of us together to share the life of love of God with each other, all of us together can, it, it requires all of us together to experience all of God. To experience all of God requires all of us. That's the vision of the church and why the New Testament says that all of us together are what's called the body of Christ and each of us are separate and individual necessary parts of it. 
And so I want us to consider then both from a relational, from a community perspective, and from a ministry, from an inclusion and integration perspective, the way that we can be that body of Christ better together, particularly in this case, for the sake of the next generation. Three weeks ago, we looked at this passage from Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul says, Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And I wonder if we keep that verse on the screen and we reread it through the perspective of investing in the next generation where Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And as each part does its own special work for the next generation, it helps the other parts grow, especially the next generation, so that the whole body and particularly the next generation is healthy and growing and full of love. It's only when we together embrace that it requires the whole church, every single separate and necessary part of it to fully reveal Jesus to one another that we can fully experience all of God specifically today for and as the next generation. For just a moment, I want to shift gears and explain to you just how much I've realized that matters, not just as a pastor, but ultimately as a parent. Because as I've seen my three kids develop, I've only appreciated more over the years just how much the role of invested adults actually matters. When our kids were little, I probably didn't appreciate this as much. You know, it, it seemed a lot simpler uh, in partnering with the church and with its formal programs to kind of bear that primary responsibility to reveal Jesus to them. Uh, in fact, I remember a moment, it was kind of a nervous moment for me, where we were actually hosting Mark Holman for dinner, the author of Faith Begins at Home that provides the, the, the research and the data around the home being the primary influence. We were having him over for dinner because he was teaching at our church that weekend, and some friends of ours had come over for dinner as well to spend some time with Mark. And to kind of put me on the spot, one of my friends had asked my son Simon as he was coming down the stairs, hey, Cy, who does daddy love the most? And I thought, Oh man, you're going to get me here right in front of Mark Holman. This is going to be humiliating because Simon's going to think about it and he's going to say something silly like the Toronto Maple Leafs or even worse, he's going to say daddy loves his laptop the most because that's who he sees daddy spending the most time with. But my son at the time, he thought about it for a minute. He was just a little kid. All of a sudden his eyes beamed and he looked at this friend of mine and he said, God and Jesus and me. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? In that moment, that was probably my peak moment as a parent because more than probably any other time, I felt like I was able to reveal a love for God more than anyone else to make sense to my kids. But I'll tell you, as a parent, as they've gotten older and started to face more of the like real life and, you know, big person challenges, it's been a lot harder to be that primary influence, especially as they get older and realize that mom and dad aren't perfect and that mom and dad don't actually perfectly reveal the heart of God and the character of Jesus to our kids all the time. And so over the years, Becky and I have certainly appreciated the role that these invested adults can play. I know a couple weeks ago, I was coming in from a run, and I saw this longtime small group leader of my daughter's named Maddie sitting on the front porch with our daughter, Adeline. And just in seeing that image, I thought, wow, 
I am so grateful for the ways that our daughter is going to experience so much more of Jesus because of Maddie than she'd ever be able to experience exclusively through Becky and I. Over the years, we've really appreciated the value and the investment and the responsibility that invested adults have played in the lives of our kids. But you know, even then, it's only been in recent kind of months that I've appreciated not just how much they mean to us, but how much these invested adults actually mean to our kids themselves. Over the past year, our oldest son, Owen, has been applying to universities, and part of the university application process is writing an essay to kind of say something about yourself or reveal something unique or, or significant so that the admissions department can know you better. And I found out that the essay that he had written was actually about an event in his life years earlier when uh, some friends of ours from the church named Dave and Norm had driven up north to our denominational camp to pick up Owen and his cousin from a youth retreat early so that they could make a hockey game that uh, neither uh, Owen's parents or uh, his cousin's parents could go up and, and pick them up and take them to. And so Dave and Norm had uh, been willing to drive up and get them. And Owen had actually written his college admission essay about the experience of this drive and about his relationship with these friends, Norm and Dave, who'd become invested adults to him. And it just struck me, thinking about how much these college admissions mattered and how much this essay mattered, that of all the things that he could have chosen to talk about, of all the things that he wanted to share that were significant in his life, it was actually that experience of some invested adults from our community that he wanted to share the most. And I realized then that the role of these invested adults doesn't just matter to me and to Becky. The role of these invested adults actually matters to our kids more than maybe I'd ever appreciated. And so as a parent, first things first, I want to say to you today, especially if you're not a parent or caregiver or guardian yourself, and especially if you're not specifically serving in the formal roles of our family ministry, you need to know that you matter. You need to know that your contribution matters. You need to know that your contribution matters more than you've probably ever realized before. And if you're in that place where you've sort of felt that a church is one of those like family normative environments where if you're not one of those two categories of people, you really don't fit. I'm here as a parent to say you fit more than you have any idea. And the more diverse you feel you are, the more important you are to us and to our kids as parents and as primary caregivers. You matter big time. And so, as a pastor, what I want all of us to consider today is how we can embrace that reality of it taking a village to raise a family to a greater degree and knowing just how much we matter to our parents and to the kids that we're seeking to raise together. How can we, especially as we're in the process of reopening now and enjoying the gift that God's given us at each other, up close and in person, finally again, how can we take a different posture of ownership for the next generation? How can we take a different approach of inclusion and integration of our next generation? And how can we move from the mentality to the reality that it actually takes an entire village that includes all of us to raise the next generation among us? Because it is only as the next generation experiences all of us together, that they get to enjoy all of God in our church family. 
Ask yourself today how you and I and us together personally and as a church community can take steps to move from the mentality to the reality that it takes a village to raise a family. Let's pray together. Jesus, we're so excited about the opportunity to finally begin to see and experience one another up close and in person again. And I pray that as we begin to do that over the course of these summer months and uh, even celebrate this message series next week, celebrating the reality that it takes a village to raise a family, I pray that every one of us would live into that reality to a greater degree, that we could adopt a greater ownership for the next generation, that we could embrace the behaviors of greater integration of the next generation, and that together we would form a stronger partnership as a church family with our parents, with our family ministry, and with the next generation to be that village that you, that you dream we would be, where together we can fully function as the body of Christ. Each one of us is separate and necessary parts of it so that all of us and today God, particularly the next generation among us, can taste and see the fullness of the person and character of Jesus. Please make us that community. We look forward to watching you work. We love you and we consider it a privilege to be able to be on this journey together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.